Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Mejita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergut, Chief Experience Officer at the CX Edge. Today, I'm very excited to have another Midwestern with us, Mr. Ryan Howard, President of RMH Systems. Welcome, Ryan. Good morning, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a bright spot and a very dreary week we've got going up here. <laughs> I know. We were just reminiscing that uh, we've, we both live in the Midwest. I'm in Chicago, he's in Minnesota, um, but it's snowing here at the beginning of April, which is fitting for opening day of baseball season, I guess. I know, we already got postponed today, which is a bummer, but we've got Masters Golf, so that's okay. Uh, and pretty soon we'll get some sunshine here, hopefully. Yeah, we just have to wait it out, be patient. Yep. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. We always like to start these conversations just getting to know you and your company a little bit better. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about RMH Systems as well as how you got started in this industry. Yeah, yeah. So RMH Systems is a family business. Um, my grandpa bought the business back in 1991. So at the time it was called Rikus of Iowa. And it was a small local material handling scale forklift dealer in Des Moines. Um, a couple of years later, my dad got involved. We moved back to the Midwest. And so I grew up in the business, mowing the lawn, sweeping the warehouse, doing all the fun things as a kid. And, uh, you know, it's been 30 years now, it's evolved quite a bit. Uh, we went from Rikus of Iowa to Rikus Material Handling to RMH Systems. And, uh, the name has evolved with the business. So we got out of the lift truck game back in 1998 and we've added packaging and robotics since then. Uh, and we've added offices in Minneapolis and Omaha and Kansas City. Uh, and we've gone from about 20 people to, or we're close to 120 people now. So we've had pretty significant growth in the three decades. And uh, and so now we're, we're a full-fledged turnkey uh, systems integrator. Uh, we do material handling, packaging, robotics, and scales. We've got service and engineering uh, teams as well. And, uh, you know, for me personally, I, I got officially involved back in 2015. I was, I was in healthcare administration in Chicago, uh, where you reside. And, um, you know, I had a great thing going. We loved our, uh, we loved our adult life in Chicago for many years. Uh, but Healthcare can be a grind, and uh, the more my dad and I talked about just growth potential and the future of this company, it, it seemed like a really good fit at the time for for my my wife and I, and so we moved back to Des Moines, and and now I'm uh, now I'm up in Minneapolis. We made an acquisition up here, and and so that's when uh, back in 2017. So we moved up here at that time, and since then I've overseen our our Minneapolis operation, and uh, for the last year and a half I've I've uh, Held the role as, as president for the company now so uh it's it's been a lot of fun uh, a lot of change and it's certainly an interesting time in our industry with what, everything that's going on so um yeah thrilled to be a part of it well what a great story i usually start this conversation off with nobody went to high school thinking that they were going to be in the material handling industry but you might be a little bit different you knew about it much sooner than a lot of us that ended up in it you know what's funny about that is growing up I didn't really, have, you know, I was a, I was a kid, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what, what I was doing. So I didn't really have an appreciation for the business and, and what, and what at the time, uh, Rikus material handling, what, what they did. And, um, it took me to get into the working world and, and understand what, what, uh, 
what being a professional is like, what the responsibility of being an adult is like, and understanding what I really wanted out of life before I uh, finally understood that this was this is where I was meant to be. So it, you know, I got firsthand access early on, but I don't think I really understood and appreciated it until much later. So I don't know if I'm that much different. Yeah. Um, so you kind of mentioned the growth projection, you know, from when your father owned the business to what you're doing now, and that certainly takes a team of people around you to be able to accomplish that. And I know at RMH, you guys are really focused on employee retention and employee engagement. So I was hoping we kind of focus on the conversation around that and just start off with simply, what does employee engagement really mean to you? Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, it's a it's certainly a hot topic right now. It's it's in a lot of the a lot of the media coverage. Uh, if you go on LinkedIn, you're you're certainly going to find a couple articles right away on what employee retention and engagement means. Um, it's a really important topic. It might be, I mean, it might be the most critical metric in defining a, a company's current well-being or their potential for future success. You know, to me, employee engagement. I mean, as simply put, is is how we measure the relationship between an organization and an employee base. So, I mean, I think I think the engagement is really defined by the employee's behavior, feelings, and, and commitment towards work, the workplace, their employer. Um, and I think it's a, it's a direct result of the corporate culture of an organization, and it directly impacts retention and, and growth potential. Yeah, I love that. And I, I like to focus a lot on that employee engagement really is that emotional commitment to a business, that you feel it, that you want to be a part of it. Um, you know, there's other organizations out there that look at it as, you know, pizza parties and, and ping pong tables and all of those things are, are nice mm -hmm. ads. But at the core of it, I love what you said, and it's really that emotional commitment and how you feel about the business. How have you seen employee engagement affect your employee retention well i think it's a direct there's a direct effect there um it's it's almost cause and effect it, i i i was doing a little research in preparation for our conversation and the latest the latest gallup poll suggested that engaged employees are 60 percent more likely to stick with their employer i mean that's that's an incredible number i mean so it's 60 so engaged employees are more more likely to stick around, uh, and they're they're also more likely to be productive too. So the same poll suggested that engaged employees have 17% uh, higher productivity and generate up to 21% more profitability. So I mean that's that's a significant difference. And so to think that employee engagement isn't important or isn't impacting uh, your your retention and your profitability is is pretty short sighted. I think you know when we talk. In, in various circles, there's plenty of business leaders that spend a lot of time focused on, you know, things like emerging technologies and strategic partnerships and pricing strategies. And, and don't get me wrong, those are all critical components of a corporate strategy. But I mean, what, what if every business could squeeze 20% more juice out of it if the internal culture and engagement strategies were strong and in line with, with the employee base? I mean, there's, there's so much discussion right now about how hard it is to find talented people. And it's true. The hiring landscape is, is really competitive right now. But I think there's less discussion on how we evolve our cultures and our business models to retain the talent that's already on the payroll. So, I mean, we have, I think most organizations benefit from having high performers, uh, but we probably don't 
leverage the rest of the team to generate high performers. Uh, and I think high performers are more likely to be engaged uh, when they're surrounded by other high performing engaged individuals. You know, nobody wants to be around a team that's sort of one foot in, one foot out. Um, you know, and I continued my, my research path and I, we're in this great resignation now, which is a big, big topic of conversation. And in 2021, according to some research studies, um, the top five reasons people left their jobs in 21 were low pay, no opportunities for advancement, they felt disrespected at work, uh, childcare issues, or there wasn't enough flexibility. Um, so, I mean, 50, it was like 55 or 60% of folks cited feeling some level of disrespect at work. I mean, who wants to, who wants to spend 40 or 50 hours away a week plugging away for, for people or an organization that doesn't treat them right? I mean, it just right. it baffles me that so many organizations and employers still struggle with this issue. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of different perspectives on why that is. I think there's maybe some misperceptions on the younger generations um, and that we just, we don't want to work. Uh, but I, I don't think that that's true. I think maybe there's a higher expectation these days and they just don't want to work for people that treat them that way. So, um, I, and I mean, that bit of a long winded answer, but I think I, uh, no, I, think I think some of the core elements of engagement and retention are relatively simple and there's just too much ego and control involved in business. And, um, so yeah, I think it, it just comes down to whether you want to evolve your culture and business model to include and integrate all generations and all cultures and all people. It, it, really should be as simple as that. No, and I think you hit on a lot of, of great points. And so I think when we talk about employee engagement, as you said, I I also find it baffling that more companies don't have it as really their number one strategy. Because to me, employee engagement really drives everything else. Um, I think it kind of comes down to people not really understanding what employee engagement is and, and what it means. And I'm hoping that kind of through this shift with COVID in the last two years, some of those things are starting to come to the surface. And I yeah. think there's been a higher recognition um, of what it is and the importance of it, especially with the great resignation, the difficulty of finding talent. Companies are going to be for this becomes your competitive advantage if you can do it the right way. Yeah, and I think you're, I think you said it appropriately i think there's just a there's a there's a growing disconnect between what what we what's what some folks think employee engagement is and what it actually is and i um you know so many decisions are made at the top in certain organizations or associations or whatever without any input from the people that it directly affects and that's where the disconnect happens and and i think a lot of times tactics are uh, uh Tactics are mistaken for for strategy. You know, let's do these one or two things, and that's a new strategy. And that's that's just not the case. And and um, so it adds to the disconnect. Yeah, I told somebody recently, it's um, you know, employee engagement is not a crockpot. You can't set it and forget it. You have to do it. You yeah, know, consistently. That's a great way um, to put it. So kind of 
you had mentioned, and, and I, I really believe that, that employee engagement really starts with the culture of the environment. And I think culture starts, you know, you hire, you need to hire people that fit and align with your culture. But then that onboarding process, I think, is really, really critical because it needs to start from day one. It's almost impossible to do catch up, right? So I was interested in what your onboarding program looks like. Yeah, so onboarding has been a—it's certainly been a work in progress. Uh, when I when I started in 2015, it was basically, you know, find your desk, go out to lunch with somebody, and uh, and then get started. Uh, and so we've—it's been a hot topic in Mejia, uh and and for a number of years, I think. And so we've started building on that because it it just didn't it didn't feel right. And it really wasn't until I think it was Mahita 2018 or 2019, there was a presentation on onboarding. And I believe uh, our, our management team was there and it, it discussed the importance of employer retention and engagement and the impact that onboarding has on those two. And so since then, we've put a lot of focus on it. Um, you know, the first impressions carry a ton of weight. So uh, whether it's a first date or, a, or a, an interview or whatever it may be, they mean they they make a big make a big deal. Um, you know, my I'm trying to think of a good analogy. My aunt owns a a staging company, so she stages furniture and empty house to to help sell the house. So why do these people do so well when they're good at staging and 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 designing a home? And it's because of the emotions, like we talked about, that people feel when they first enter a home. Those those emotions are powerful. That first impression mm -hmm. has a significant impact on the likelihood of an offer being made on that or the value of the offer in the house. And so our, onboard, our onboarding programs as employers is no different. We want people to feel those emotions as they come through the door. We want people to feel included and valued the minute they enter the door. And really, it should happen before they even enter the door. Um, so with the help of our employee team and, and our, our new HR manager, we put a lot of effort behind it. Um, you know, it's We've put a lot of effort into getting prepared, preparing for an employee to arrive. You know, we're still a small company um, and some of the stuff is still fluid and we're working on it, but we want somebody to walk in and feel like they've made the best decision of their career. And so um, we've got a few steps that happen every time we get together as a management team. We set in a schedule for the first couple of weeks for the individual, the HR manager and uh, hiring manager reach out about a week before and provide that schedule and say welcome and ask for questions. Um, we prepare the workplace, which or the workspace, which seems simple, but a lot of it is in the details. So I mean, you go into a house, you go into an open house, and you see, you know, the, the paint's chipped and and, the, and there's some uh, you know some marks on the wall and whatever. You're gonna you're gonna notice that, and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna linger around and, and weigh on your on your decision making process. But when you go into a house that's well appointed, all the details are taken care of, you feel you feel good about that house. And uh, and so that's what we do. You know, I, I've been I've I've started a job where the manager's running around trying to find a chair, the computer's still in IT, um, mm -hmm. the, the desk hasn't been wiped down. You know, it's it's little things like that. So we make sure the workspace is ready to go. There's some swag on there. Um, you know, we bring in food for the morning and then throughout the rest of the week, they go to lunch with different people from the organization. They spend an hour with each of the division managers throughout the week um, or, or various key people from every division. And we do that so that they, <clears throat> so they can learn about the business. 
and then they can build some meaningful relationships. And then, um, and then I also spend an hour with each new hire uh, in their first week, just to make a connection and go through the business a little bit. Um, and then we, you know, we do various things like schedule ride-alongs with technicians and salespeople, and um, you know, there's various vendor trainings and HR trainings. But really, it's all about just <clears throat> making that person feel like we've prepared for them to come, and we want them to be there. And then they've connected to the people that are that are in the organization. Um, and I also like to let people leave early on their first day. Uh, it's it's a long day, so let them get out of here a little early. But you know, onboarding it's it's hard. It takes resources. Um, and preparation, but its power really can't be overstated. It's it's super important. Yeah, I love that, and I, I you know I think it is always a work in progress. But onboarding used to be in a lot of organizations just left up to the hiring manager. You know, mm -hmm. you figure out yeah, a place right. for them. If you want to make a schedule, go ahead and make it. You know what I mean? But I think having a cohesive and consistent. Um, policy really helps that employee engagement be instilled into the the culture so kudos to you that sounds like a great initiative um you know i, I talked a little bit about kind of maybe post covid or through covid some of these things have come to to light i'm wondering from your perspective if you think the post covid world is harder to engage than the pre-COVID world was. And a lot of it due to people now seeing what it's like to work from home and yeah. maybe wanting to do that more. I wanted, I was interested to get your thoughts on the post-COVID world. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I think it's more challenging. I do think it's more challenging. I think, you know, all the, the employee, employees are, everybody's, they're all people. So, I mean, humans, human engagement hasn't necessarily changed, but I think there's, there are, there are new ways of doing things that have made things more challenging and it's, it's more competitive than ever. So that, that certainly makes it more challenging. Um, I think we were on this path already, but COVID certainly expedited it. So the whole remote work <clears throat> and flex work and, and uh, you know, moving away from the traditional eight to five or nine to five. I, that was all kind of in the works, but COVID, you know, pushed it off a cliff and now we're there. So I, you know, I think, I think engagement requires change and, and evolution. Um, and that's been the hard part because we were moving that way, but then we just, you know, you know we got there really quickly. And I don't think all companies were ready for that. You know, I, yeah. I think there's, there's also at the same time, there's a major generational shift. So millennials are the largest gener working generation right now. They're at, they make up 35% of the workforce, which used to be largely held by baby boomers. Um, so I, like, and we've kind of touched on this, but I think, I don't know that millennials are harder to engage, but I think there's a growing disconnect, like you said earlier. And I think because of that, there's some growing misperceptions um, of millennials and how we, how we, where we place that, we want to place blame on somebody. Um, but I think, I think really what's happening is, is the workforce has started to demand more of employers. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's capitalism really at its finest. I mean, the best, the best organizations will get it figured out and evolve and thrive. And those that can't figure it out or choose not to will miss the boat. You know, I, people are, we're learning that with technology, you know, WebEx, Zoom, other things, we can do a lot of things 
regardless of location. Uh, a lot of companies are hiring people from all over the world now. Uh, people are working various hours throughout the day. Um, and, and so the expectations have changed a little bit. And the companies that are adapting and evolving to get that figured out are the ones that are hiring and retaining the, the top performers. So I think it's, I don't know if, I don't think people are harder to engage now. I don't think millennials are harder to engage. I think it's just more challenging because it's so competitive and we're looking at different ways of doing things. And if you're not prepared for that or uh, willing to adapt and find new ways of, of doing business, then, then yeah, it's, it's going to, it's, it's going to be harder for you to engage those employees. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think it's, it just comes down to being able to evolve and adapt to the different generations. I agree. I don't think that it's getting harder. I think the strategy is to engage millennials. It's just different, you yeah. know, than it previously was. I don't know that, you know, things like happy hours and, and team building events mean the same thing to that generation that they did maybe to previous generations. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just mm -hmm. figuring that out. Yeah. And every organization is going to look a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about employee retention, and I've seen a few different ways to measure it. And I, I'm a really big believer in using data and measuring as one of the only ways to really improve. So how do you measure your retention? Yeah, it's, I think it's, it is a, it's a challenging metric to get a, a real comprehensive view on it um, and an ongoing uh, an ongoing view of your of your retention and engagement is is challenging because you often do things at a point in time. Um, I think it's something you can get qualitative and quantitative methodologies to to get those metrics, and that's that's what we do. I mean, we from a qualitative perspective, you know, we our management approach is is very open door, very macro. We are not micromanagers. Our doors are open to to. Uh, to get those communication lines going and and to to we've got a pretty a pretty good ear on on what the the team is feeling what they got going on and and they I think the team feels very comfortable bringing their ideas or issues forward so when you have a a, a foundation like that where the culture is one of open communication and honesty and and people feel like they can bring their thoughts to the table and feel listened to that provides you a very easy qualitative metric you know if people are doing that I think they're engaged, um, but from a quantitative perspective, you know, we do the best places to work surveys, which are, I think they're good. I think they're, um, you know, there's some intricacies to them that that are a little challenging, but they are an engagement survey and you get, we, we do one in Iowa, we do one in Minnesota. Uh, and for this last six years, we've been recognized as a top workplace, which we are very proud of. Um, and then, we have an employee review process. You know, every year we we sit down and and do a full documented review with with the hiring manager and, and the employee, and that certainly is a more formal way of of garnering feedback and, and talking about things. Uh, and and part of that is sort of a retention interview, if you will. Uh, and then lastly, we keep a we keep one metric here that we keep an eye on. That's just an employee retention rate. Um, and so for since we started doing it about ten years ago. We've maintained a, a less than three percent employee turnover metric, meaning outside of retirements and like major health issues and maybe the occasional dismissal, uh, less than three percent of 
the employee base is choosing to leave on an annual basis. And a number of those years are at zero, you know, so, um, so we feel very strongly about that. That to us, that tells us we're doing something right. Um, and I think watching the business grow is a pretty, pretty good quantitative metric for engagement as well. I would agree. I mean, I think that's the end game. And if you look at the number of people leaving and the rate of the business growth, you know, that becomes a really great metric to, to yeah. at least start from. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, you have made it to our lightning round. I'm not sure okay. if you're familiar with our lightning round. Um, so I have 10 questions for you that I'm going to ask you. I tried to keep them as appropriate as possible. Um, I like to start a little bit easy, but you'll just answer. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better um, through these kind of fun questions. So are you ready to start the lightning round? I've been nervous about this lightning round. I tried listening right. to other podcast episodes to try to figure out what you're going to ask me. Um, <laughs> I had my wife throwing some zingers at me, but yes, I'm ready. I think I'm I li ready. I like the, you're getting your head ready for it. All right, I like to start off easy. Um, when are you the most productive? Most productive? Um, I would say it's either mid-morning after about three cups of coffee, or I'm a bit of a night owl. So there are there are nights where from like 10 p.m. to midnight where I'm just wired in, and, and that's when it works for me. Um, and I don't know why that is. I, I guess having two young kids probably sets my 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 circadian rhythms a little bit, but uh, I, I'm the nighttime is a good time for me. Oh, excuse me. What is something that you do not like doing? Oh, don't like doing. Well, I hate doing laundry. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. Uh, <laughs> but I think everybody hates it. No one likes doing laundry. Um, you know, I. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old right now, and it's a lot of laundry. Them, but we have a lot of sleep issues too, and so I also hate getting up in the middle of the night and and uh, <laughs> throwing everything off. But that's all part of it too. So um, it is. That's fair. That's fair. What is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? That's a good one. Um, so when I was, I went to Australia six or seven years ago. Um, and I, there I ate crocodile, I ate ostrich, and I even I even tried a kangaroo burger. So those those aren't very traditional, I don't think. Um, no, I would say those are outside the box. Yeah, maybe not for Australia, but yeah, about um, for here. Yeah. yeah, for here. Have you ever stolen anything? Gosh, I hope no cops watch this. Um, yeah, so. Back in high school, I worked at and I worked at a, a shoe store in the mall, and uh, I will admit, I uh, I did take a headband from there once, and uh, you know I don't no one to this day knows about it. So now you are uh, <laughs> We're now I'm outing things. So wow. hopefully we don't dig any deeper on on other uh, on other bad things I've done in my life. But yes, I took a couple headbands from that shoe store. Uh, and I don't even know why, because I never wore headbands, but anyway. <laughs> if you could learn any language in one week, what would it be? You know, I I think it would be, it's, I think it would be 
Spanish. Um, my son went to a, a Spanish immersion daycare, and uh, and we've we've stayed in touch with some of those folks. And I I would just love to like I know a little bit, but I fumble all over myself. I would I just love to to be able to speak in, in Spanish. And um, you know we 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 go to some Spanish speaking countries when we travel, and it would just be a lot of fun. I It'd either be that or Italian, and Italian is pretty similar to Spanish, but uh, but yeah, I just um, I guess that's where I have my most interaction with people that speak yeah. different languages, so that would functionally make the most sense. What is the first concert you ever attended? <clears throat> uh, this is kind of funny. So um, the first concert I ever attended was. Um, I don't know if you remember the rapper Juvenile. Uh, he, I he, had, he had that song back that ass up was his big, his big song back in the day. That was my first one. I went and I think I was in seventh grade and I my buddy's that mom dropped the four of us off and it was a terrible concert. But uh, But at the time we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So Juvenile was my guy. Nice. Um, I've seen on, on LinkedIn that you've you've pulled a few pranks or pranks have been pulled at your office. So what is the funniest prank either you've done to somebody or had done on you? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm sure you saw the picture that I posted on my brother's wall uh, of, of my portrait. Uh, that's now getting passed around the office now. People seem to like it. But the best one I've ever done, uh, one of my best friends in college, we all lived in the same house together and he was uh, leaving for the weekend to go to somewhere. And uh, we got in through his window. We took pictures of his room. We moved everything out of his room. Uh, we colored the walls uh, bright pink and then all the trim and the fan and the door were lavender purple. Uh, and then we put everything back just as it was. And uh, so then when he came home, and he's he's a fiery guy. So when he when he came home, he we had it all set up with a camera and records on YouTube. But it's uh he wasn't very happy. But we had a pretty good life. I mean, that's a commitment. That's yeah, a it was a full weekend thing. I mean, there were a few uh, there were a few beverages involved, but it was a good bonding experience for the rest of us. Sure. Um, what did you last search on Google? Um. I, it was this morning I was researching um, the Minnesota Twins just made a, uh, a trade for a new pitcher. So I was looking up who the heck he was and big Twins fan. So I, I got to see what's going on. Um, most of my time outside of, of work and family is spent uh, on my lowly sports teams that can't ever seem to win a championship. Um, what is the first thing you would do if you suddenly became invisible? Oh, man, I think I would find my way to some of the best golf courses in the Twin Cities and just it would throw some people off because they'd see a, a wandering golf club and, and golf ball flying through the air. But I'd find my way onto the golf course and just uh, play a few rounds of golf, I think. Yeah, Gosh, I'll try to think of a better one and get back to you at Mahita, but that's the that's the first thing that came to my mind. All right, finally, would you rather spend a week in the Amazon rainforest or one night 
in a real haunted house. How long in the Amazon rainforest? A week. A week? All, all by myself? All by yourself. Total survival. Like the survivor. Oh. You know, I think I'd have to take my shot at the haunted house. I My survival skills are very poor. Um, and and I hate bugs. So I and I, I'm sure the mosquitoes are terrible in, in the Amazon. Yeah. Well, I think and, they're the size of birds though. Yeah, I I just don't think I would do very well. I I'm sure there's plenty of people that feel like they could wrestle a panther or something. I could not. Um I I would I would be ready to leave after a few hours. So I'm gonna I'll take my shout out to Haunted House. Well, it's important to know what your skill set is. So that's yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you've made it through our lightning round. Thank you so much for playing along. Um, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our Mahita talks today. Is there anything you would like to leave our listeners with? No, I mean nothing profound. I, I'm I'm certainly grateful for the opportunity. This was fun. Um, it's a really great topic. I, you know, if if you were doing a three-hour podcast, I think we could probably fill up that whole time. So I, you know, if you anybody's ever talking about it more I, i'm happy to engage just because I, I find the topic important and really interesting um and again i think i don't think engagement and retention is too complicated it doesn't have to be i think sometimes we overthink things i think at the end of the day everybody's human and we want to feel supported we want to feel like we have a voice um and so i think to business leaders and business owners that comes down to giving up control, accepting some risk, and allow the the team to have the ability to shine and and um, you know listen to the to to your people and and I think you know even 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 in some of our circles, there's a lot of we got to try to figure out these millennials and it's going to become a bigger issue because millennials and Gen Zers are going to continue to grow as far as their proportion of the workforce. Just include them, talk to them. Uh, make them a part of your governing boards, make them a part of your management teams, um, you know, let them help you figure out how to adapt your models. So, um, so again, I don't think it has to be overly complicated. You know, I think I'm big into quotes. Um, Steve Jobs, his famous quote is, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. And that's a perfect way to send off an employee uh, retention conversation and gets right to the core of it. So um, I appreciate it. And, and we'll see you in Orlando here in a couple of weeks. All right. Thank you again so much, Ryan. This has been Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergat. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks.